Welcome to Stand Out from the Crowd, the podcast dedicated to helping professionals and leaders amplify their voice, impact and influence. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome, welcome on this new live episode of Stand Out from the Crowd with me, your host, Doreen Benamara. If, the, if this is your first time here, you are welcome, of course, too. And a Stand Out from the Crowd is the podcast that is dedicated to helping leaders amplify their voice, impact, and eventually income. And so what we do here, we invite standout guests that are experts and thought leaders in their industry to share you know, their perspective, their best practices on how we can become uh, you know, the best at what we do and how we can become the leader we were meant to be. So without further ado, I will ask you to help me welcome our standout guest, Kim Araman. Hello, Kim, how are you doing? Hello, Darin. It's such a pleasure to be on the show again. Again, yes. Actually, you were one of my very first guests over a year ago. Now time flies and I'm so uh, blessed actually to have seen you uh, grow as uh, an entrepreneur and as an individual as well. So thank you for com coming back on the show to share your expertise, uh, Kim. No, thank you so much for having me. And it's a social pleasure, you know, seeing seeing also you grow and, you know, other people that we are connected with, you know, uh, yes. within the past life, how things evolved. It's crazy in terms of how many things happened. It feels like a lifetime ago exactly. <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of how many things passed. So I'm super happy to be uh, here with you and with our guest today as well. Thank you. And yes, a lot of things can happen within a year, people. So commitment, dedication, every day doing a little is what, you know, uh, uh, helps you to get concrete and tangible results over a certain period of time. So before we get into our conversation, Kim, for the people, let me uh, let the people know who you are. Uh, so Kim, you're a career coach and interview expert. You are the founder of Nail Your Interview, helping professionals reignite the spark in their career and help them land their dream job. So where does this passion from, for helping people landing their dream job comes from? I think you were cutting for one second, but I got you. I think you were saying, where, did, where does this passion come from, right? That's correct, yes. Super. So I think it's, for me, it's very simple. Um, so it came from um, my own situation, right? In a sense that I was in a similar situation where I was moving from one job to another. You know, my, my average, uh, I would say, time spent in one company was below two years. I think my maximum was two years, which is a short time within the span of a decade of my professional career. And I used to feel at the same time, you know, there was always this excitement at the beginning when I joined a new company because I was joining, you know, exciting companies with big brands, 
Uh, and I'm passionate about brands as well. So there is always this excitement at the beginning, new people, new process and everything. And then slowly but surely there is this, you know, routine coming in and settling in. And I had this itch where I was like, okay, what's next? Like there is something where I didn't feel completely fulfilled. Like there was a part of me that still felt like there is something missing. Like, I don't know what it is, but I can't find what it is. And other people seem happy, but I, I, I can't see myself just doing the same thing over and over again, right? And this yeah. is where I decided that my passion for interview coaching was really prominent. And I decided to, you know, make it much more than interview coaching because it's really about career, about finding that motivation, about finding that spot and that spark in your eyes when, you know, you speak to someone and they speak with so much passion and so much drive about that one thing that really excites them. It doesn't need to be a big thing, but it does, that's one thing that really excites you and how to make that one thing something you would want to have every day if possible and to make a business out of it or to make you know your work revolve around it yes and i'm sure like there are quite a few in our audience today and i'm sure many of you actually including myself i can relate 100 to your journey uh, uh kim so of course there is a before and after covid 19 right even though i know <laughs> the uae uh, did an amazing job, at, you know, uh, preventing the, the the virus to spread. You know, uh, did an amazing job limiting the impact on the on the well-being of the of its people and the economy and the and the the, the businesses, right? But still, uh, there is a before and after COVID nineteen. So, have you observed uh, from your perspective, Kim, any changes? Uh, for example, about what job seekers are looking for in a job right now? 100%. Um, I would say like, you know, Dubai is an example, of course, as you said, as one of the countries that really, I would say, stood out and was able to maneuver their way uh, throughout COVID in a very efficient way. I think we were one of the only uh, countries where we were in a lockdown for a month, like total lockdown, let's say. And then we never went into total lockdown after that completely. And they managed pretty well, you know, because of course, Dubai is a country that's very prone to having tourists. So yes. that's one of the main driver. And that's not something that you could suddenly stop because when we did, obviously, there was a financial hit. Um, and with that, I think it's actually where people during COVID time, and we had time to reflect and think about it more, it got people, not just necessarily only in Dubai, but across the world, because I was looking at articles as well, that were saying that more than, I would say, around 60 to 65% of people that are currently working, you know, uh, in the corporate world or in organizations will look at changing their jobs this year in 2022. 65% of companies. That's huge. Imagine the turnover and the turnaround on, you know, people that actually realized how important work is, how important career is, because it's, you know, 70% or more even of what we do. So why not enjoy what we're doing while we're doing it? Because you might have a choice of actually doing it. I think this is where people got to realize that, you know, I don't need to sit and to settle for something if I don't necessarily have to. I can do something about it. And this is the change that we see I would say definitely in Dubai, but also across other, other markets, because I also have clients across other markets. But you can see that people actually decide that even if they've been waiting for some of them five years 
and you know saying okay i'm not happy with what i'm doing but they keep having that thought but they're not doing actually something about it this is the year where people are actually making decisions for themselves for most of them to actually do something about it and take that change or actually try and change something so they can bring more fulfillment in their in their work and their career life as well this is the big change that we see i would say yeah and i would say you mentioned it the key word is fulfillment people they don't want to work because they have to but they they, they, they want to work because they feel like they are contributing to something that is bigger than them and actually let me pull out a graph that is coming from the um, Oh, and I don't have it here, so I will pull out the graph so people can see it. That is coming from the latest uh, KPMG report. So this one is focused on women's uh, leadership and employment, but actually this is very close to uh, global studies that are available at the moment, which is, look at this. You know, if you compare only in the UAE 2019 versus 2020, you will see that like prior to COVID-19, meaningful and purposeful work environment was at the bottom of the list. It was in the top five, right? But it was at the bottom of the list. One year later, COVID-19 happens. And then you see that meaningful and purposeful work environment is at the top of the list, right? So what you're seeing actually uh, 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 Kim is, is quite accurate because now people want to give a sense, you know, to what they are doing. We don't work anymore to pay the bills. We work to, to feel fulfilled and to have an impact. So now we know you are based in the, you have clients all over the world on different markets, but you are based in the UAE and we know that the UAE uh, mainly relies of, on an international, a global talent pool, right? And, yeah. and here in North America, we talked about the great resignation, right? This is a catastrophe. People like are leaving their workplace every single day, thousand by thousand by thousands. And we are in a, in a, in a stage where uh, companies uh, have to slow down their activity because they cannot find people to work for, to work with. They cannot hire people. Why? Because now people, you know, as you said, in the same light as, as you said, they are they have different requirements, you know, mm -hmm. they have different mm -hmm. requirements in terms of uh, diversity, equity and inclusion. They want to work for companies, you know, who uh, that values their the employees and that they create a positive and well-being uh, culture for the employees and for the workplace at large. Uh, we talk about also um, people declining high salaries because they would rather uh, take a job with a lower pay, but where the, they feel fulfilled, as you mentioned. So how do you see the, the, the job market in the UAE adapting, adjusting themselves, their companies, how they adapt their HR recruiting process based on what's happening on the other side of the world? I think what you said is very true. Um, so there are trends. Right, that happens even on an HR perspective in terms of companies that capitalize on trends, follow trends, mm -hmm. obviously both for a positive and, you know, personal benefit from it. So diversity and inclusion is, I would say, a term that we've been hearing for the past year and a bit more. But obviously it's become a bit more um, common to hear about it, I would say, in this part of the world, at least not in yours, but in our part of the world, more recently 
in the past few months. And okay. companies, I would say, all of them say we want to do diversity and inclusion, right, in terms of things. Some of them do it right. Some of them do it just to add something on the paper where we're saying, ah, we're, you know, a company that promotes diversity and inclusion. But when we look at what rules you have or how you promote internally and whatnot in terms of biases, do you actually do that? Not necessarily. Maybe you want to get, you want to be, you know, you want to achieve that down the line, but you're not necessarily there at the moment. And mm -hmm. I think it's good because it, it also gives them awareness of, you know, how companies are and what they do. But what does that mean for job seekers? As you said, it's, it's you know, people these days want very different things, very different things. And I don't think the corporate, the corporate world, I'm not talking about startups, I'm talking about, you know, multinationals and everything. I do not think they're set up as they are today to adapt for the future of what job seeking and, you know, employment is going to be about. Some of them do, of course, because they offer the flexibility at the expense sometimes of work-life balance, you know, all of them have pros and cons. You don't have all of it is pros and all of it is cons. You have like a mix between both. But I think a lot of companies today are still not catching up with how we see employment moving forward, right? A lot of them, for example, they didn't ask, I'm saying it's a simple thing, they didn't ask their, their employers to come back because they realized that productivity was actually higher when people were working from home sometimes versus then working in the office. Not necessarily, of course, for all of the functions, depending on what you do. Some of them, you know, requires heavy software, whatever it is, 100%. But in general, they realized that maybe we don't need to have a physical big office, right? Maybe we don't need to force our employees to be there 100% of the time. We can give them that flexibility. We can give them a work from home because in Dubai, you know, I would say 90% of people are not locals. They're not, you know, from Dubai. You would give them the flexibility to be able to work from their home country a few weeks, uh, a year, for example. All of this, we're not there yet. A lot yeah. of companies aren't there yet. And I think for companies that will want to stay very much recognized first as best workplace to be in, right, in the marketing world, because we have these <laughs> surveys and whatnot in terms of things, or I would say attractive to the younger generation, because it's not only about us, it's about the younger generation that's coming. They're not attracted by big names anymore. Yes, we have Coke, we have whatever it is, you know, in terms of names, but a name is not enough anymore. That's People need more. Different. It's not just about the paycheck. It's not just about the name. It's not just about, you know, I would let go of a name. I would let go of a paycheck if I get, as you said, the purpose, if I get, you know, the drive, if I get the well-being, if I get more benefits, if I'm happy where I am. Because what's everything else if you're not fulfilled and you're not happy? What are you going to do with it? It's only temporary. And I think this is where the lag is coming from. I'm, I would say I'm very, very excited to actually see how are companies going to evolve and how fast are they going to evolve for that next generation that's coming? That's, I would say if I have an itch, you would have like, you know, them being 100 times more feeling itchy than I do, right? Because they just want everything now. They want everything. They know everything before it comes out. You know, the trend happens yeah. and in a few hours, we wouldn't even say in a few days, the trend is gone. It's not like before where the trend, you know, on social media lasts for like a few days, a few weeks. We're talking about a few hours and it's the mm -hmm. same in the work environment. So I'm super excited to actually see not just in Dubai, but even across the world, how do companies adapt with, you know, with the new, I would say, 
I would say, the new employment of how, how people want it to be, because then we realize that we do have the choice. We do. And actually, uh, Robert is saying, I agree with you, uh, that Kim most are not set up for the new world of work. And you mentioned Kim, you know, like talking about, for example, diversity, equity and inclusion is quite uh, recent in the UAE. Here in North America, mm -hmm. uh, we have been talking for a little bit longer about it, but still, we are not set up. As you said, companies are not set up. A lot of companies, they talk about it right because in terms of employ employer brand it's important to talk about it if you want to be able to attract and retain uh, talent but you cannot fool people uh, anymore or any longer you know because they will ask people working within your company okay how does it look like how do you feel about it is the company uh how is the company's culture right people are asking those questions so <laughs> like really uh we, and I think we would all agree on this. Uh, most companies are not set up for the new world um, of work. And we have more people joining us live. Thank you for joining the live. This is your opportunity to ask questions, to leave your comment. Let, uh, let us know if, if you're looking for a job, if you are transitioning. How is your workplace adjusting to the new world of work? So my next question to you, uh, Kim is in regards to your area of expertise. So you help people with uh, interview skills, uh, resume writing, and much more, you know, helping them find the right direction for their career. So what is the skill or maybe what is the, the, the thing that people lack the most when they come to you? Well, one is interlinked with another, I would say. It's knowing themselves, but not knowing themselves in, you know, in, in the superficial, uh, you know, level. It's really deep, like a deep knowledge of who you are, what makes you unique and what you stand for. Why would the person or the company hire you for the roles you are applying versus someone else? Therefore, again, selling yourself because it's both interlinked. Knowing yourself will allow you to sell yourself in the best way possible during that interview or on that resume to be able to be attractive for employers. Sometimes it's not about having self-confidence issues, it's not about having something else, it's about having a story and knowing yourself enough to be able to portray it in an attractive way that will make you, you know, stand out from the other people and want to be selected for this role. This is, I would say, the biggest, biggest, biggest thing because everything else is just technicals that it's easy to be learned. And obviously I teach that to my clients as well. But really the first essential piece of the puzzle is really focusing on a deep knowledge of yourself, which doesn't come overnight, of course. It's something that comes because it's an evolution and you're not this, you, you, you are as a person, you keep growing. Even if you know yourself today, if you don't do the exercise, you need to keep discovering and knowing yourself to be able to grow the same way in the future. That's very true. And, and talking about self-awareness, you know, um, as you know me and for those of you who uh, have been following me for quite some time, I am uh, big on uh, women's leadership, right? And uh, helping women uh, develop their leadership potential. Um, but you know, the comments that I get often in terms of uh, women in leadership is 
we say that there is not enough women, okay, which is true. And actually, a few weeks ago, uh, the 18 companies from the private sector in the UAE have signed uh, a pledge to boost women in leadership roles uh, with the, the goal to achieve uh, at least 30% of women in management positions in the next few years, right? So, but the conversation that I have often with HR leaders is on one side, we have uh, companies who are challenged, who struggle, that struggles uh, literally to hire uh, 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 or to boost women into leadership either internally through their uh, promotion, like politics of promotion, and uh, or to hire external talent. That's one side because, again, we have talked about it, they are not really set up yet to ensure that their a uh, recruitment process uh, is, is, is diverse and, and inclusive. But on the other side, and that's something that we don't talk often, you know, is the way the lack of self-awareness or maybe self-doubt or imposter syndrome among women who have great experience, great expertise, and that could pretend to apply for those leadership roles and senior leadership roles, they don't because I don't know if you have seen the, the data, but when it comes to applying for a job uh, for a man, I think it will be less than 50% um, for him to qualify based on the job description for him to apply, right? When for a woman, the percentage is much more higher if, you, if a woman feels that she doesn't meet 90% of the requirements for a job, she won't apply. So is that something that you see in your work is that something that sometimes you you have a client she's like okay i'm looking for this type of job and when you look at her resume you're like but hold on a minute why don't you apply for a senior role because that's something you can do with your expertise 100 percent. i think you know that um women being in leadership position is not something uh, that was, I would say, the norm a couple of years back. Um, so I think in a sense that, uh, yeah, Robert, so just responding to your question as well at the same time, jumping, uh, it's 90% yes. for, for women that, you know, yes. look at the job description. And, and why? Because we, I would say, and again, it's not, it's not discriminate because I'm not a, um, I don't discriminate against men because for me, it's not just a gender specific thing. It's mm -hmm. also a personality thing in a sense that, if you're a person that's very harsh on yourself and women tend to be very uh, critical, like, you know, very critical about themselves and their expectations are very high, they would put, you know, the, the expectations for them to, to be able to have a promotion or the level up. If, again, if, the, if as we said, if the, the male puts, it, puts the bar, you know, at, I would say, um, uh, two levels above, the woman will put it like four levels above, you know, in terms of double the work and double the commitment. So if, for example, you would need to have like a five star across everything for the women to feel comfortable and safe to be able to maybe think about asking for that promotion. Because we're so critical about ourselves that if we receive one feedback along the way, only one amongst your trajectory for the past, I don't know, for example, a few months, it will give the it will it will allow the imposter syndrome to kick in and then yeah. ask yourself am i good enough to have that role 
Whereas the male might have maybe, for example, again, not to discriminate, but just hypothetical example, might have have over the six months, everything great, but maybe he had two feedback instances, but he would not even focus on these because he would focus on the fact that, you know, he is built up for that because that's how society also brought us up like from generations and generations before, right? Even our parents' generations and before. This is only changing now that we were never brought up in a sense that you see women leaders in the house, right? You see your dad probably. Not, I would say maybe in some instances, our moms, but again, this is very recent. You don't have the women going to be a CEO or, you know, whatever it is. So that's not the norm. Even for, for you know, for, for, for guys, because... As you know, as as sons, they're also not used to seeing that. So it's something that's changing, but we're not quite there yet because there is a lot of you know, of imposter syndrome. There's a lot of doubts. There's a lot of you know cultural traditions and everything that comes in play that is not easy to change within one generation. Yeah. As much as we push and we promote you know women leadership and we say that you know we know that women and not everyone because again it's not about being discriminatory, but not every woman can be a leader. Same as not every man can be a leader. It's, it's, it's not a gender-specific thing. It's also a trait, character trait. Do you have the capacity to be a leader in that particular position? Yes or no? Because being a leader is not easy. And unfortunately, what women think is that we were, I would say, brought up to think again recently that if a woman wants to be a leader, then she has to be tough because yeah. she has to prove to males that she's tough that she has to have a voice, that she has to have whatever, X, Y, Z. And maybe that's not necessarily something that you feel like you are that person. So maybe you would, in some, in some instances, for some female, it would help you think like, you know, but do I really want to do that? It's not really me. And this is, I would say, where the mistake happens because it's not about, of course, it's not about being weak. It's not weak or strong, but you don't necessarily have to step on someone's toes to become a leader. Look at leaders that are males around you. They don't necessarily all have to shout out to be heard, right? They don't mm -hmm. have to, you know, put their foot down every time to be heard. Maybe the males that you would look at are the ones that have a vision, the ones that inspire, the one that shows you that there can be change. Same with the women. It's not about having someone that's strong. You can be strong if that's who you are, but that's not necessarily every fit. It's the same. So giving a, a brief example just for people to understand what I mean. Same as with the beauty standard of concept, sorry, the concept of beauty. Remember at the beginning we were saying for you to be, you know, you, to be a top model, you only need to be like this, skinny, whatever, blah, blah. Now we're doing the same thing where we're saying to become a female leader, you need to be strong. You need to be, no, but it's not just one thing. You have different areas. You have different types of leadership. You have different types of leadership for both men and for female, it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. And it's for females, you know, that are listening to us and watching that recording to understand that there is no one-size-fits-all. You can create that change. You don't need to look at that change if it's not there. You can be the change. But don't let one thing stop you from getting there because you think you're not exactly like that person. That person is just one example. But remove the gender part of it and look at males that you associate with, if that's more helpful, that are role models that are more maybe, you know, aligned with, with your traits, your character traits, it will help you achieve that. That's the very big misconception also that happens. 
Yes, that's very true. And this is where actually self-awareness is very important because like the more you are aware about what you can do and what you cannot do and what you want to do, you want to do, the more you are empowered. And it's important in order to lead and to have an impact, to lead from a place that is empowered and empowering. And so again, self-awareness is really, really the key element. This is the base of everything for you to decide, to decide if that's something you want to do or you don't want to do. Like, you know, and as you said, like, it's not a gender thing, but it's important also to look at the data. So let's take the example of imposter syndrome. Everyone is affected by imposter syndrome. No matter who you are, at some point, most of us, we are, uh, we experience imposter syndrome. But where it's important, you know, to work on self-awareness and to put in place uh, programs uh, or a culture to create uh, workspaces where women can thrive is that when you look at the data and everything that we are talking about today is public data, so you can do your own research, 75% of women, once they are in a leadership position, feel like an imposter, which is a high uh, which is a high percentage. This is a high number, right? And we have another yeah. comment and question actually from Robert who says, uh, it's definitely a personality thing. I'm with you on that. How do you overcome the harsh of self-criticism? Hmm. That's, a, That's a very good question. Um, I would say, well, actually, we're, we're all, you know, we all tend to be... Um, harsh, I would say, or tough on ourselves, right? Because, you know, we're all, you know, want to be, I would say, or aspire to be perfect because there is no such thing as perfection, but aspire to be as as, as good as we can be, let's say. So when something doesn't follow that path, we obviously tend to stray off course and that and then it's, it's harder for us to accept it. But I would say overcoming harsh self-criticism is more importantly to understand that we cannot be perfect. But even CEOs are not perfect, right? Everyone makes mistakes in terms of things, but that's the learning curve. And that's the path you should be on. Because if you're only getting success, 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 and there is no you know, hurdles along the way, then you're not actually growing. Then you're not actually learning. So it's about accepting that criticism, validating it, not you know, negating it or rejecting it. Accept it, but then don't dwell on it so much. Take the learning that you need to take from it, whatever lesson that you are taking from it, but then remind yourself as well why you're good at what you do. Accept the criticism, but then also remind yourself if you're becoming too harsh on yourself, what achievements you've done, what you're, why are you good at what you do. So it helps you balance that criticism and that, you know, that harshness on yourself so you can stay on your course in terms of things. And anyway, you know, no one is looking that you talked about like the different leadership styles, but something that is important to notice is that no one is looking for the perfect leaders anymore. People are looking for leaders that are relatable, leaders that have a story, leaders that they can feel connected to. That's what people are looking in, in leaders nowadays. So this old era where, you know, you have to portray perfection to be this perfect leaders, a leader who knows it all, it's over. That's not what 
move people anymore. And that's not, you know, what motivates and encourage people to take action anymore. So be yourself. As I like to say, you are, we are perfectly imperfect. And that's what uh, makes us uh, relatable. Kim, thank you so much for your time today. That was, uh, as usual, you know, I wish we could have like longer conversations. <laughs> More <before>. time. <laughs> You always drop some some good good nuggets uh, when when I bring you on board. So thank you again, Kim. That was great. To thank have you, Darin. For the people who watch the replay and who may have any questions or who want to know more about how you can help them, where can they find you, Kim? Well, actually, they can find me on LinkedIn. That would be the easiest thing. I think you've tagged me, so it's very easy for people to message me. Just send me a DM. I usually respond back straight away. I mean, straight away within the next 24, 48 hours. So I'm pretty, pretty active on LinkedIn. I think that would be the best, the best, the best place for them to be able to get in touch with me if they want to. And if you don't follow Kim, follow her on LinkedIn because her content is simply bomb. Okay, and very informative, very educative. Uh, it's a mix of uh, edutainment. I like this word. It's trending to edutainment. <laughs> but really, uh, follow follow Kim on LinkedIn and do not hesitate to contact her if you have any questions. Kim, thank you very much. Thank you very much, everyone. And I will see you next week for another live episode of Stand Up From The Crowd. Bye-bye.